Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. I think of it as part of my, almost part of my mindfulness practice. It really is about that. Like whenever I'm spending some, I'm checking in, like, how does this feel? Is this aligned? And also exciting after having overcome some of those limit, limiting fears of spending or not spending, it's like, oh, it gets exciting to, to save more, to see my retirement or investments grow and to get those statements of like, oh, look, this money turned into this money and I feel more in control. It's It's been pretty phenomenal, right? To overcome those limitations and, and to create a, a positive relationship with money. It's pretty amazing. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question, how can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. I am so excited to be Starting off the second season of the podcast, it has been so much fun, so much fun putting this podcast out into the world. We had a break over the holidays, um, and my team and I actually had a break. We took two full weeks off. We just shut everything down, shut down the company for two weeks, and let students in the course have a break too, uh, which I'm hoping they really used. I think when we're working on things like money, it's easy to feel like you need to work on it all the time and to almost try to make up for all that lost time. And it's so valuable to also sometimes just take a break and rest and integrate and let yourself enjoy life. And that lets us actually be fresher when we come back to build skills and do new things in the new year. So I'm definitely feeling a little bit of that new year's energy coming into season two. So today's episode is with April Snow. April is one of my, I would say therapist 
consultant buddies. I had the pleasure of meeting her a few years ago when we were both just kind of starting off into our side hustles at the time, Um, now really much more our full hustles. And she is a licensed psychotherapist, author, and consultant in California who supports highly sensitive therapists from around the world to have more sustainable practices by embracing their sensitive strengths and thinking outside the box. She has a huge amount of resources that she has created. She has a Facebook group. We're going to put all the links into the show notes and talk about them at the end of the episode. But April is just a treasure trove of information and resources for highly sensitive people and specifically highly sensitive therapists. In fact, before her, uh, I didn't have the language to describe who I am. I used to call myself a sensitive plant, which was a little bit of like a gentle derogatory term for myself. (laughs) Um, about my sensitivity. And it wasn't until I met April that I actually learned about high sensitivity um, and highly sensitive people and those traits. Um, And it's certainly been a gift to me to learn about those traits and how they work in my own life and give myself permission to build a practice and a business that suit who I am. So if you have any curiosity about high sensitivity, uh, definitely check out April. In this episode, she shares about her own journey of going from growing up with very little money uh, to being able to embrace money and be with money. She talks about the road through avoidance, which I think is a place that so many of us are familiar with. And in this episode, more than any of the episodes so far, we really dig into budgeting. So if the thought of budgeting makes you feel sick to your stomach, if you're already thinking about turning off this episode because you're like, no, not budgeting, I really encourage you to settle in for this episode. Uh, We get to budgeting in a very natural way, and April just has such beautiful framing around it, and we really dig into much more positive ways to relate to budgeting that have nothing to do with scarcity and shutting out possibility in your life. Actually, quite the opposite. And we also dig into the importance of who you surround yourself with, um, which I think especially as highly sensitive people is really important. She gives lots of great tips on how to shift your relationship to money, um, which are going to be especially uh, relevant to the sensitive among us, but certainly to everybody else too. April is so compassionate and gentle and thoughtful and brings so much of that to this conversation about money. Enjoy. So welcome, April. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. So uh, April, as, as a starting point, I know that you've done a lot of your own work around money and we've done workshops together around money. So I'm curious for you, how did you know that your relationship with money needed to change? Yeah, it wasn't actually that long ago where I realized that I was avoiding looking at my finances. So I have a, a monthly date on my calendar. I have for several years now. Um, before it was more informal, but when I started owning two businesses now, it needed to be more structured. But there was a point where I noticed that I was avoiding that meeting. I would put it off for a week, two weeks. Sometimes I might try to skip it. And as you can imagine, when you're not looking at your finances, things start to get a lot of control. <laughs> so money was start, you know, spending was starting to balloon. And I started realizing, okay, I'm spending more than I'm earning. And it was showing up in my personal and professional life. So that was a big 
moment of awareness where like, okay, I need to get back on track here. Let's really look at what money's coming in and what money's going out and being more intentional with that. Right. And, and I'm curious for you, like that realization that more was going out than coming in, like, what did you start to notice first? Cause I think sometimes we're in that situation. We don't even necessarily realize that that's the problem. Sure. So what did that look like in your finances? Yeah. So I would say twofold. So professionally it was, okay, the amount of money that I have to pay myself, because I have a set number that I mm-hmm. want to pay myself every month, right? Yes. After taxes and, and I have other expenses I set aside for. So that number was starting to dwindle quite a bit. And I was like, oh, I'm not able to meet my minimum income threshold here. Okay. Something is going wrong. Um, and then personally realizing, okay, I'm pulling from savings or there's not as much buffer in checking as I would feel comfortable with. So those are two very tangible signs. Okay. Money management is not happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Well, yeah. and, and something that I want to give you, I don't know if it's that I want to give you props, but recognize is like, because you had that paycheck amount you set for yourself, that helped the That's alarm bells true. go off. Because I think a lot of therapists don't have that. It's true. Um, You're just saying, what's left for me? Yes. Right? Yes. But I know I am a very organized person. So I I want to be on top of things, but you know, the emotional pieces in the way. So even though I had set that number, I was realizing mm, I'm not sticking to those goals that I'd set for myself because of mindset or money story or emotions or, you know, just whatever is coming up. Yeah. And and with that, like with mindset and money stories. What's been your biggest struggles with money? Has it been in yeah. that area or something else? I think it's related. So growing up, I had this weird situation where I grew up in a very working class family. So there was never a lot of extra money, right? So you pay the bills, you bought food, that's it. There's nothing to play. So I never really got to experiment with making money. It was very specific, you know, this is what it's for and that's it. And then I also had a grandmother who was of a different financial bracket and she was an accountant. So she just took over all of our tax management at the end of the year. We never even knew. She just did her magic and got us the biggest refund that we could get. And it was like, oh, thanks, grandma. Thank you so much. We'll take this refund. But we didn't know what was happening. Right. So I found myself in as in as, as an adult feeling like I didn't have any money skills. I don't know how to manage taxes. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. And then as a business owner, you know, being in charge of setting aside the percentage and, you know, making sure you have enough for all these different expenses. And now I have people that I pay, right? And so it quickly became very overwhelming. So I felt like I had this big deficit of money skills, even though I love like looking at my bank statements and being organized, but those, you know, I often have this resistance too of, I want to budget, but then I feel limited budgeting because it reminds me of my past, right? So it was just this constant push-pull. Okay, I'm learning, but I feel embarrassed for what I don't know. And then I want to be responsible, but also I also, you know, there's old stuff that comes up. So getting in relationship with my own money has been looking at all of that, right? Being really honest with myself. So even recently I was talking to my wife and I said, you know what? I think I'm afraid to have too much money. It was like, there's this interesting story of, because I don't know what to do with it, right? <laughs> so right. If, I, if money does come into my life, what do I do with it? So that sprung a lot of action steps on my, my end. But um, it was interesting to look at, right? Those deeper layers of money. For sure. And, and I'm curious with that, 
April, like that belief that you don't know what to do with it. Can you tell me more about that? Like, is that like, you don't know how to manage it or you don't know what you would spend it on? What, what is that? Yeah. What do I spend on? Or what if I spend it on something frivolous and I'm not saving it properly? You know, I've since started working with quite a few financial professionals in you know, taxes and retirement and investments. But before that, I'm like, I don't know what to do with this money to make it work for me. Right. Right. So what if I waste it away or it just sits there and it doesn't earn any interest? You know, there's just a lot of barriers for me around earning more and more. So I noticed that was a very limiting mindset for me. Yeah, for sure. And is that a mindset that's still around for you or is that something that's it's, shifted? It's shifted quite a bit. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like I'm hearing kind of, there's two distinct parts to your story. Yes. One is like this grandmother who was very skilled, but like just kind of took it and didn't, didn't share the knowledge or the skills. Yes. Right. Which like as an accountant, like I kind of get it. Cause like she would be so deep in that world, but there wasn't an effort to teach. Right. Right. There was just a like, you know, I'll yes, take I'm going to help you. Yes. But didn't pass it on. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm hearing that part of not being given skills, but then I'm also hearing this part of just like, they're just not being that much money. Right. So then when more money comes in, I feel a little overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there's been some growing pains in having more money as an adult. For sure. So I'm wondering like with that history, how do you maintain a positive relationship? with money now? I think of it as just how you maintain any relationship really, which is mm. spending time with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I like that. So showing up to my, I think you've used this phrase money dates, which I really like, you know, showing up to your money date every month or every week, if that feels more manageable. But for me, it's every month. I like, I'm a batcher. So once a month is plenty, but yeah, spending quality time and okay, here's what I have. Let's get real. Here's what I have. Here is what's coming in, what's going out. This is the budget I need to stick to. Because when I do that, I start to see what money can do for me, right? Give me that sense of peace of mind, ease, control, safety, because I know where my money's going. I know why I'm spending when I am spending, right? Whether it's even if it's just takeout, like I know what my budget for takeout is. So I can, I'm going to get this takeout. I'm going to love it. I'm going to fully embrace and enjoy it, right? Or, oh, I'm on this vacation, I know exactly how much money I can spend and I'm going to be completely freed up to enjoy it, right? I'm not stressing about it. Oh, is that coming out of my rent money or my car payment money or my whatever it is, right? Whatever monthly expenses you have. Um, so yeah, there's just been more ease by spending time and being open and honest with, here's what I have, here's what I, how I want to use it. And what I'm hearing there, April, is like, having freedom within boundaries. Yes. Like it sounds like by setting and knowing your boundaries, like this is how much I have for takeout. There's this like real richness that comes and this real enjoyment when you have that takeout. Exactly. Because you're probably not having takeout every day would be part of it. Like it makes it intentional and special. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it is more intended. I think of it as part of my, almost part of my mindfulness practice, right? It really is about that. Like, Oh, I, Whenever I'm spending some, I'm checking in, like, how does this feel? Is this aligned? And also exciting after having overcome some of those limit, limiting fears of spent, you know, spending or not spending. It's like, oh, it gets exciting to, to save more, to see my retirement or investments grow and to get those statements that are like, oh, look, this money turned into this money and I feel more in control. It's, it's been pretty 
phenomenal, right? To overcome those limitations and and to create a, a positive relationship with money. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. It, yeah, truly. And and I I am curious if you could tell me more about about your positive relationship to budgeting. Budgeting is a word that I I rarely even use, you know, kind of like outside of my course because it is such an activating word for people, right? Like usually people think about budget, they think about restriction, self-denial. I'm not going to be able to like do anything or go anywhere. And what I'm hearing from you is a lot of kind of again this this richness and pleasure and you know, you're talking about having this more mindful relationship to money. So I'm curious if you can tell me more about either how you got there or how you keep yourself in that space and out of scarcity, especially coming from the the background that you did come from where there was like kind of just enough, it sounds like. Exactly. Um, Which for a lot of people, you know, it gives us like scarcity stories. Absolutely. But I would say I could see how budget could, you know, because I used to have the association with that word that, oh, this is a limitation. This is a constriction. But I like when you said the word boundary, it feels like this safe, cozy containment right? Like here's where I want my money to be. What, what, what are the buckets essentially? Part of my budgeting is, okay, let's say I have just for around number $10,000 in my savings account, right? And I, I have that money broken up into different categories. And some of them are fun, travel, retreats, right? Like there's, I think about budgeting can open up a world of self-care and things that are meaningful. Yeah. Most people know that I'm highly sensitive. If, if, listeners that are, that know me. And we've talked about this a lot, Lindsay, where, you know, it's important to make money meaningful, right. To use it in an intentional way that makes life more cozy, comfortable, aesthetically pleasing. So I think budgeting can open up a whole world of that. Like, Oh, and what do you want your buckets to be? Sure. There's typical buckets like auto repair, home repair, travel, um, emergency savings, things like that. But then there can be, you know, I think about like, oh, I loved going on certain to certain retreat places. I'm going to set aside money for that. Or I know folks love to buy plants, art supplies. Like you can create a budget for that, right? So like, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to work towards? You know, budgeting can be part of that too. And then when you do, I, don't know, I, I personally love to buy books. So if I had a book budget every month, which I haven't done, but that's actually a good idea. <laughs> You will now. I will now, actually. <laughs> so, like, if I want to spend, you know, a few hundred dollars a month or a quarter on books, and I know I've earmarked money for that, I can just have fun with that experience. I don't have to feel guilty. I don't have to worry what that money is getting pulled from, whether it be a like some type of practical expense or savings for something else. I know I've set aside money for this. Right. It's the same thing if you have a private practice and you're setting aside money for time off right? Or taxes or whatever it is. Budgeting can be exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It can. And I'm sure there'd be some people listening who are like, no way, no how, like there is a journey to get there. Absolutely. I want to, yes, acknowledge that this, my journey to this place has taken many years. However, you know, recently, you know, meeting you, our work together has sped that up quite a lot and getting certain support people in, in my circle has really excelled that process and also spending time with people that are open to talking about money. Yes. Right. Right. Whether it be friends, other therapists or practitioners that really has excelled like, Oh, we can actually talk about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that you've really put your team in place, both in terms of like professional formal supports, but also those informal supports, like, you know, people who you can talk to openly because without that, it is very difficult to make changes and stick with it and do the hard things. If the people around you aren't doing those things or aren't open to talking about those things, it can be very isolating. It's so true. Whether you're struggling, whether you're trying to move your money situation, you know, your financial relationship, either one of those can be difficult in isolation. Yeah. Community is so important to this process. Yeah. What other advice would you give someone who's at the beginning, if they're listening now and they know they're not where they want to be in their relationship to money, what advice would you give them on how to get started on building a better relationship with money? Yeah, I would say definitely starting out with lots of self-compassion for wherever you are, right? For whatever your money story is telling you, like you're not the only one that's struggling with money. It's hard, right? We're not taught how to manage money. We're not encouraged to talk about it, especially if you're a therapist or a practitioner in private practice, there's no support system around. And, you know, a lot of times we're discouraged to talk about fees and things like that, you know, so it can be difficult to bridge that environment into a place of acceptance and openness. So yeah, lots of self-compassion and patience, you know, so don't expect to immediately sit down every month and love looking over your bank statements and, and setting aside your budget or whatever it is, you know, that's a process. So slowly dipping a toe in, Totally. maybe you just open your bank statements once, right? Or maybe you start saving $5 a month, whatever it is, start really slow in all the different layers of the process. And it gets, it will get easier over time. It's just, you know, just like with anything, you're building that familiarity and that relationship. I think that's super important to remember to take slow and not compare your process to anyone else's. You do have a unique narrative story history with money, depending on your family and you know your your community and whatever environment you're in and your you know your particular work situation. So there's a lot of different layers to it. Just remembering that it's emotional. It's not just practical. Even if your accountant makes it so black and white, yes. it's really <laughs> complex and layered, right? Just like anything else. Absolutely, yeah. And and your numbers aren't emotional to them. But I will tell you, accountants have their own money shit. <laughs> it's just not about your money. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, and I have seen that even like accountants who like won't let me pay them, you know, for things that they should be getting paid for or who yep. take things on and don't charge clients. You know, it's like everybody has their own money stuff, even financial professionals. Absolutely. Right. So even the people that work in in the money fields, like accounting or retirement, they also have their own stories around it. It's such an important reminder. And to make sure you lean on them, just like a therapist is doing their own work, right? Their accountant is going to be doing their work as well. So no one's going to have it completely together, but they can still help you. And, you know, I think one of the key pieces to transcending a lot of my own roadblocks to being more in contact with money was definitely getting help. For so long, I felt behind. I was kind of, I was embarrassed about the state of my money. Like, oh, I'm, I should have started being more proactive about retirement much earlier, or, you know, oh, I should know how much to set aside for taxes. And so there's all these fears that come up, right? When, when the thought of opening up my money to someone else, but I've had a really great experience. You know, I found that people actually just want to help, you know, they, they know a lot about what 
what you don't know. So they're happy to step in and say, oh, what you can do. And, and I found that it was actually more accessible to get help. It was cheaper to get help than I imagined. I was thought, oh, that's going to be so expensive. I won't be able to afford it. But I was like, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. And paying my accountant, I actually make, get a lot more money back in taxes because she is working her magic. Yes. Right. She knows exactly what, you know, what to do, what to deduct. You know, getting help has really helped take away some of that helplessness, that hopelessness. So I'm, I'm going to meet my retirement goals. Actually, I am. And it's going to take less money a month than I thought. Right. And I know exactly how much to set aside for taxes. So that frees up some money too. Right. I'm not setting aside a much higher percentage. I'm being more specific. And then if I have a question pop up, I just send a quick email and I get an answer right away. I don't feel like I'm holding it alone. There's been a lot of value in pushing into some of those fears and welcoming a few people into my world. And now I feel like I have this sense of confidence and calm. So before there was always that worry background, now it's quiet. Mm, right. And and something I'm wondering, April, as you're talking is if also, if you had any shame about money before, if working with people has actually helped to reduce that shame rather than make it worse. Absolutely. I, the fear was that I would feel more shame, Yeah, but I feel a lot less actually, because the people that, you know, myself and my wife have worked with, you know, they were, oh, this is where you're at. This is where you want to go. Let me just fill in the gaps for you. It, it was very practical, right? Worrying about how I got here or why I didn't save more earlier. They were just like, okay. It was like, we're just going to help you meet your goals. That's it. There was no judgment or shaming. It was, it was a big relief. I was like, oh, oh, I don't have to hold this anymore all by myself. And I know what I need to do now. Yeah. And I, I think that's always the, the lie that shame tells us, right? Which is that it's only us and that people are going to judge us. And, and I think financial professionals, mind you, finding the right one for you, because they're that's not all going right. to be for you. That's exactly <laughs> they're right. They're not all going to talk in a way that you can understand or so, you know, that, that's part of it, right? Is finding the right fit. Yes. Um, and I know it's just like therapy. It told, I was going to say, find yes. the right fits, yes. right? Do your interviewing and yeah. And, and even for myself, I found like, sometimes I work with an accountant for a while and then I'm like, you're not really meeting our needs anymore. And then you have to find somebody else. And just like finding a therapist, sometimes it doesn't happen. The, you know, the first or second try, exactly. sometimes you do have to try somebody for a little bit and realize, no, we're not really a fit, but, you know, thinking about those financial professionals experiences of us, I think they probably experience us very much in the way that we experience our counseling clients, which is like when somebody comes to us, we're drawing on our skills. We're not like judging or worrying about how they got here. You know, we're just like listening to where they are and we're trying to help them get to where they want to go. That's, that's all. Exactly. There's there's just, nothing more there. That's right. We're we're just joining, right? We're creating a safe space. We're we're guiding. And that's exactly what they're doing too. So April, if people want to hear more from you, where would be the best social media place for them to come join you and get into your world? Sure. So you can join me on Instagram, Sensitive Therapist. I also have a Facebook group for Highly Sensitive Therapists, which I think you'll include in the show yes, notes. Yes, all these links will be in the show notes. Perfect. And then is there any offer that you have any kind of like freebie or anything that people uh, could get from you? Sure. Yeah. If you go to my website, aprilsnowconsulting.com, you can sign up for my sustainable practice checklist that offers some tips for sensitive therapists to find more balance. Also, I have offering 20% off my sustainable schedule course, burnout 
months. So you can use the code money to get 20% off that. Nice. April, you had uh, mentioned how having me in your world has helped you with money stuff. And I will say having you in my world has helped me immensely with, uh, you know, sensitivity stuff and like both identifying that I do have highly sensitive traits, which I didn't know existed before I met you a few years ago, (laughs) but also with taking that seriously and how I run my business businesses and set my schedule and accepting, you know, things about myself that maybe I didn't want to accept before, you know, comparing myself to the wrong people. Exactly. So if if you, if people listening, if you, if the term highly sensitive, if you don't know what it means, if you have any curiosity, uh, check out April because she has so many great resources for those of us who can't see 30 clients a week um, and can't just go, go, go all the time. Um, There's lots of great ways to run your business as a sensitive person. Absolutely. And make the money that you need to make. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much, April, for joining me today. It's been so nice talking to you. Thank you, Lindsay. It's been a pleasure. And that was my conversation with April Snow. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that her gentle, compassionate approach and her willingness to share her own experiences and journey, which is ongoing. Um, I hope that that landed well and gave you some inspiration and ideas on how to start to work with your own relationship with money. I especially appreciated the piece of our conversation about shame and how, you know, so often we think that we're the only one with this problem, but even when you start to work with financial professionals, you know, they've seen these things a hundred times. This is what they do. And they are there to support us in the same way we're there to support our clients as health practitioners and therapists and coaches with openness and respect and curiosity and using all the tools they have available to us. And just what a gift that is to give yourself that support um, by bringing the right people onto your team, both professionals and also having people in your world that you can just talk to about money to break down that silence that really feeds into shame. If you are interested in more money content from me, you can follow me on Instagram at money nuts and bolts. We are posting free money mindset and practical content on there all the time. And thank you so much for listening today to the money skills for therapist podcast.